All right, so I found this. I found this article about Idols when their second album was coming out. Uh, I believe it was. Uh, so their debut album was Brutalism, and then their second album was called Joy. Is it act- jo- Joy is an act of yeah, which is a super yeah. cool name for an album. To me, a very punk rock kind of album name, right? So they're putting on a show in Manchester, and this is the paragraph from the article. This was, in all honesty, one of the strongest performances that I have ever seen. Not just from idols, in, but in general, ever. All finished off by the band inviting some of the AF gang, the band's dedicated fan base, on stage to join them. The band are all beautiful people inside and out. Don't mistake their music and angry frontier as something that it's not. After all, Joe did reiterate for the last time, we're not a fucking punk band. This band is the definition of all is love, and it is something we should all embrace a little bit more often. Do you agree with him that they're not a punk band? (laughs) Absolutely not. They're totally a fucking punk band. Well, I mean, like, they're definitely in that punk adjacent. Like, it is so much of this sound, this song in particular, is stuff drawn from, like, Blood Brothers, like, the kind of soundscape that's being brought out there um, in terms of, like, just the, the almost, like, to a certain extent, grating and just, f- like, frenetic energy that yeah. is behind this entire song. Like, that is, to me, like, great underground punk music that's like just trying to just play with rock and roll and push the boundaries in a way that is it's not necessarily trying to sound poppy or exciting or not necessarily exciting it's not trying to sound poppy or smooth yeah it's not not melodic or anything like that it's it's abrasive it's in your face it's dissonant it's discordant it's trying to be as loud and weird as possible maybe not as possible but it's trying to be loud and weird yeah it's trying to be loud and weird and it's amazing it's it's really fun uh it's you know there's this uh reminds me of back when we were in like our early 20s late late teens there was i this to me is like the polished reiteration of that band i hate you when you're pregnant so I I don't think they sound anything like I hate you when you're pregnant, but but go on. You don't you don't think no, so? Not really. I, I, this band is so like it's it's an insult to idols to say that they sound like I hate you when you're pregnant. <laughs> well, to me, this is like if I hate you with your pregnant like got a backing band and polished up their his sound a little bit. Like this is what I could totally envision like coming out of. I hate you when you're pregnant. Yeah, I just don't think that no, he, he, you, you I don't, don't think that dude that? did anything as interesting as anything that the idols guys are doing. It could also in fairness, it could be because the I hate you when you're pregnant guy punched one of the guys in my band. <laughs> so I mean, that <laughs> that might be coloring the uh, the interpretation of I hate you when you're pregnant. I just I always thought that it was kind of I hate you when you're pregnant was just a kind of gimmick band and the 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 dissonance and the lack of melody was not a choice so much as just he didn't have a lot of talent. <laughs> and so it just uh. came across as, uh, 
really sort of weirdly harsh music for that reason. I, I just never really cared for that band. Interesting. Um, so what I will say is you are wrong because <laughs> I hate you when you're pregnant. Uh, you may not have liked them, and that's fine. I'm going to say you didn't get them because in 2005, a New York Times travel writer called I Hate You When You're Pregnant one of Arizona's most avant-garde performances so he made it into the New York Times. Yeah, I don't but think fucking, you or I ever have. Fucking no, but that's not a standard for how anything, right? Like fucking Brett Stevens has made it into the New York Times. He's the biggest piece of shit there is. So it doesn't like that doesn't like that doesn't tell me anything about how good the music is. Remember Father's Day? Remember Ryan Avery's Father's Day? <laughs> yeah, okay. They had a whole documentary made about that shit. All right, fair. Fair. I was hoping but I could back, get you. No. He punched he punched a band member of mine in the face. I'm not gonna <laughs> Wait, wasn't that? There will be nothing guys, good like, nothing good will stand that, to be said about him on this podcast because Wait, but isn't that after a, you guys managed to like evacuate an entire building and get a show canceled? Is that isn't that like why he punched one of your guys in the face? Yes, yes. He, that is why. <laughs> So he so, was potentially super rightfully angry. Maybe he was not. very yes. He was very angry that we got the entire venue evacuated and the uh, which was a dorm. So we had everybody in the dorm evacuated. All these like sleepy college kids like in their pajamas at like eleven o'clock, being like, "Why do we have to leave the building?" And then the <laughs> uh, the fire department came. <laughs> the funniest thing about this is that it was so. Totally. So here's what happened. Let me, let me just back up and explain. <laughs> so we were playing a show, and before the show, for some reason, my friend John and I were we went to the Army Surplus store. It was like on the road. It was a show in Flagstaff, and we're from Phoenix, and it's like about a eh, two-hour drive to Flagstaff, right? Yeah. And we were playing at a dorm at NAU, and we were playing with "I Hate You When You're Pregnant" and the Ponies and us. And we stopped by this army surplus store, and we found gas masks. John and I found two gas masks. And they looked kind of cool, you know. You know my obsession right. with masked bands, so this yeah, is, so you guys this is maybe the genesis of it. So we, <laughs> and, and I was playing drums, and, and John was playing bass, and so we get there, and we we're like, let's just fucking wear these masks. That'll be fun. Right. Right. And uh, so we're playing this show with with our gas masks. And John's brother, Brady, who was in the band in some capacity, he, uh, at one point during the show, he grabs the fire extinguisher from the uh, wall and just starts spraying the entire audience with it. <laughs> I think, I don't know why he did that. I still don't know why he did that. But that was but the thing. What happens, it. yeah, when you do that in the middle of a, of a concert... No one can breathe. It, like, sucks up all the... Right? That's the point of the fire extinguisher. It removes the oxygen. So it... Right. No, everyone's, like, coughing and running out of the building, and then the fire alarm goes off, and because, I guess, when also that's another thing that happens is when you take a fire extinguisher off of the wall and start spraying it, the fire alarm goes off. <laughs> and so everybody's... Like, they can't breathe. They're coughing. Everybody runs out of the room, except for John and I, because we both have gas masks on. <laughs> and so we just keep playing. 
and watch <laughs> as the entire dorm gets evacuated and like these sleepy sleepy college kids come down and they're like what the fuck's going on and then they just start coughing immediately and run out and but john and i are still playing this like stupid bass and drum beat while this is happening <laughs> and so then eventually we go outside and that's when uh i hate when i don't remember what that guy's name is i hate when you're pregnant guy uh, but that's uh, I don't remember his name either. But that's when he sees Brady and just punches him in the face because of this. And then, luckily, we actually all met up at like a late night diner in Flagstaff, and and we all made up, and it was you know, it was a good, it was a good story. But I do remember Wait. after that happened, he he punched Brady in the face, and then like we had to go and like rescue him and like put him away. And NAU was just in the middle of the fucking woods, right? So we were like hiding in the woods because we were pretty sure that like many, many people wanted Brady's head at that point. So that was the, uh, (laughs) that's the story of the time we got the NAU dorm evacuated. Huh. So (laughs) that the I hate you when you're pregnant guy punched Brady in the face. What's really interesting. So, so do you you guys met up with the I hate you when you're pregnant guy and like you guys buried the hatchet. We did. We did later that like way later that night, at, like three a.m. or something. We okay. we went to a diner and he was at the diner and we kind of like went up to him and we're like, "Hey man, things got a little out of hand. You punched this dude in the face. He he did in fairness completely ruin the entire show. So we, we get why you're <laughs> angry, but and so we yeah we buried the hatchet at that point. But it was uh. But you're still holding a mild grudge. I just don't think that his music is any good. (laughs) (laughs) You know, um, that's fair. And actually, burying the hatchet is exactly what what, uh, Never Fight a Man with a Perm is about. I think so. That's the, I, that's the... I think that this is a song where the thesis is really never fight a man with a perm, lest he become a man with a perm. (laughs) <laughs> right like it's 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 a nietzschean kind of thing that if you if you battle monsters you're going to become the monster and if you stare into the abyss the abyss stares back okay all right so eventually the abyss stares back okay i i can see that interpretation <laughs> but uh so i mean i think the the best way to describe this song though from like a musical standpoint is just almost schizophrenic to a certain extent like it's it the change between the verses and the chorus is so to me drastic you go from this kind of almost uh just frantic energy in the in the verse to then just this hard driving and not even necessarily driving uh chorus but just like kind of heavier chorus it's this, like, it's this triplet, like, three, four-time chorus, right? And, yeah. and it's really interesting because it's, like, the verse is in, in swing tempo, and it's, like, yeah. this, like, dun, 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 And then the chorus, like, goes into this, like, crazy triplet feel. And yeah. it, it almost sounds like two different songs that have, like, crashed together. Yeah. And, and, and I, think, I think it actually, to me, kind of uh, matches up with what the lyrics are saying or trying to say if they are saying anything at all. But that's the point of what we're here for. So let's, let's figure it out. We dive in. Let's dive. So Brill Cream, Creatine, and a bag of Charlie Sheen. 
And then, which b- by the way, the second time in a row that Charlie Sheen has come up on this uh, on the pod. I don't know what's going on there. But. Yeah, this is a this is a real. I find I think we get in we subliminally get into these grooves of just finding weird thematic pieces across genres. Yeah. But Charlie Sheen, two two episodes in a row, uh, yep. brill cream, creatine, and a bag of cocaine. So, and I think that my interpretation of Charlie Sheen, when they say a bag of Charlie Sheen, it's just cocaine. He's just yeah, clarifying he's... it in the next thing. He's like, no, these are the same, this is the same list of things. I yeah, am using I... the fun uh, slang term for cocaine that is Charlie Sheen, which I'd never heard that before, but I like it. It's I, fine. Yeah, I, I've, I've never heard Charlie Sheen, or I've never heard cocaine referred to as Charlie Sheen. Lots of other things. But yeah, I mean that may actually to me totally makes sense because you know obviously I, my understanding is he was a giant cokehead. So in in your interpretation, who's the this is the guy, this is like the subject of the song, right? This guy that has the brill cream, the creatine, and the cocaine. Yeah, this is I, just we're just painting a picture of a human being right now. Yeah, I think he's painting a picture of this person that I, and I think it'll be made more clear as we get through the song that he is squaring up to fight with. Mm-hmm. That this person is got, I assume, some sort of pompadour or just slicked back hair with br- with brill cream in it, and is very clearly in, is into lifting or is very very muscular. Hence the creatine. Creatine. But also, yeah. yeah. Also loves his cocaine. Also coked out. Yeah. And yeah, also, br- I, I mean, I think that this is the titular man with a perm, right? This, I mean, the, yeah. the brill cream is because he's you know he's trying to you know pump up his perm. Yeah. Which uh, I that, think is a more more British thing than an American. Like that, I don't. I do not associate perms with like tough guy Americans. Definitely not anymore. I think like got men men got perms. I think back in like the seventies, maybe early eighties yeah. was still a thing. So he's fighting a guy from like nineteen eighty two. Is what's happening here? <laughs> yeah, I think. Well, but like, there's also this this thing of that I don't understand, or am in any way plugged into UK culture. But like, when I see videos or clips of people at concerts or festivals in the UK, the the fashion and the hairstyles to me are so drastically different than what I observe at festivals. So they might still wear perms i don't know yeah i think they i think that's something yeah i think that that is a very british thing that is probably resonating with brit with with the british audience of idols in a way that it doesn't with the american audience yeah yeah a dulcet man with a dulcet tone from a dulcet town and a dulcet home and a dulcet crown and a dulcet throne. I think you could just keep going with it, you know? He's dulcet mean, I'm dulcet nice. I'm saying dulcet once, I'm saying dulcet twice. Dulcet twice. <laughs> yeah, I, it's like, I kind of like that, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, all right. I mean, I, I think it fits in with the overall, overall uh, aesthetic, but he hates me. I like that. Two arms like big baseball bats. Yes, yeah, so and guy you know, is let me let me be honest. Well, but but are baseball bats really that impressive of a thing for your arms to be <laughs> like? Like, this, I'm looking at my arms right now, and they're like, I am by, I am not jacked in any sense, and my arms are a little bit bigger than baseball bats. So I don't think that that's the <laughs> metaphor that he wants to use, but. Well, so I came away with uh, that his arms were hard, or they hit like baseball bats. 
Yeah, I think that that's the idea. Is that if you if he punches you, it's gonna feel like a baseball bat. Yeah, right? so I mean, you gotta. This is why you have to be more specific with your metaphors. <laughs> because if your arms are just like baseball bats, I'm just gonna think like, oh, they're just like normal skinny arms. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's like no wonder um, he's using the creatine. I think that maybe a little, little more creatine, a little less cocaine. If your arms look <laughs> like baseball bats. Um. Fair enough. More specific in your metaphors would be great here. But I, yeah, so I guess I, I am more generous in my interpretations. I give out them gentlemen C's. <laughs> I also like uh, the idea that he hates me. I like that. That's kind of a nice little thing. Like, you know, I, I take pride in the fact that a guy like this hates me. There is something, yeah. you know, there's something good about the hatred of bad people. Yes. Yeah, I totally, I totally agree. That he 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 likes that this person hates him. There's something about this guy that is either bad or I know. I guess like the other thing is my I guess my other interpretation of this was that he wants to get into a fight with this guy and he's glad that this guy hates him. So he can go. So the fact that he hates yeah. him. He's like, all right, good. This means I'm going to be able to fight this dude. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to have any remorse about, you know, fighting this guy. Although it sounds like the, the – so we got the narrator and the subject, right? And yeah. it sounds like the narrator is going to get his ass kicked. Yeah. Right? <laughs> like, like, from everything that he's saying about this guy, it's not, uh, not going to be a pretty fight. Yeah. So I like this, I like this next line. And actually, I'm going to go through the rest of the verse because it's, it's just kind of interesting. But this, this next line – a jaw like a fuck off bear trap. <laughs> yeah, and you know it's it's I, I like that, but for how much this narrator hates this guy, he seems pretty obsessed with describing him in very like glowing terms, <laughs> right? Like, oh, you're a big tough guy. Oh, you're big. You're a big handsome tough guy. Big sexy snag of a tough guy. Yeah. If you're so tough, why don't you come over here and make out with me? <laughs> right, right, tough guy? You too much of a pussy to caress me with your big man hands, tough guy? Like, that's what it got. There's, there's something going on there, I feel like. <laughs> I, I agree. You, you know, he's just, um, he loves, he's looking at this guy. He's looking him up and down, and he's got a very distinct mental image about him. Yeah. But then I love this part. He said these boots are made for stomping, and that's just what they'll do. One of these days, these boots are going to stomp all over you. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like, look, he's a brutish moron, but he still has enough culture to quote Nancy Sinatra to you. <laughs> exactly. I was like, all right, let's do this. That's so, that's so bizarre. Like, like, that is not a hard person to be quoting. You know, as much as I like Nancy Sinatra... That doesn't feel true to this portrait of this character that we're getting at all, right? Like, I, I've so what I feel like though that this just further enhances uh, the the notion that you and I don't understand British culture in any way. It's possible that this is like the hardest shit you can <laughs> say as a British like street thug to another one yeah, or like, some hey, dude in a bar fight. <laughs> hey, bro, he just Nancy Sinatra, you bro, you gonna take that? <laughs> You know, over over here we have gun bars. Over right. there, there's Sinatra bars. <laughs> yeah, some some fucking Nancy Sinatra stomping bars. <laughs> All right, so now we got our. We I think we have what I would call the pre-chorus. I said I got a penchant for smokes and kicking douches in the mouth. Sadly for you, my last cigarette's gone out. 
And this feels like a like a Rowdy Roddy Piper from They Live reference, right? Yeah, so I think this you is... You know what I'm yeah, talking that, about? Where yeah, that's goes, the they, they Live and then repurposed under... Originally, I was like trying to think of where it originally came from, but Duke Nukem is where I remembered it from originally. <laughs> so They but Live like, is, is, as far as I know, the earliest iteration of that, yeah, that the, construction. It's like I'm here to kick ass and chew gum, chew and I'm all out of gum. gum. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's it the, sounds uh, cooler the pack of smokes though, right? The yeah. I got a pinch of her. The the chew bubblegum always sounded very goofy. Like it was very campy and like who the fuck does yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, I think it was also in the cuz they live came out in what the late 80s or early 90s. I can't remember. I want to say late 80s, yeah. Um and I think that's when there was that kind of transition in Hollywood to away from cigarettes on screen or talking about cigarettes on screen. At least I know that it was either happening around that time or was start was going to happen. And so potentially I wouldn't be surprised if this is the original saying it's like, right. And they live edited it to be a non smoking thing. Yeah. It's like, I, it's like, I, I'm here to kick ass and smoke cigarettes, but unlike, you know, unfortunately for you, my last cigarettes all out or like I'm all out of cigarettes or whatever. Yeah. They're like, oh, well, we got to friendly this up a little bit for Hollywood. Because yeah. let's be honest, this, that's a way better line than kick ass and chew bubblegum. Oh, for sure. It's, it, it makes it so, it's so goofy and, like, memorable because of that. It's not yeah. hard. It's like, oh, what the fuck? This dude's chewing bubble? <laughs> what? They Live was a great movie, man. <laughs> yes, it really is. It's a classic. <laughs> and then we get to the chorus, and this is when the chorus goes into the 3-4 time. Yeah, so it's like, yeah, concrete to leather, and it just gets repeated a bunch of times. Um, in very gang vocals, like, everybody is shouting concrete to leather. Mm-hmm. And I, I could see this chorus being really fun live. Oh, fuck yeah. Right? Like, I, I've never seen Idols live, but, like, man, this would be a fun thing to just, like shout a lot like this is what makes hardcore punk so fun is that you go into like a small room with a bunch of people who also know this weird music that you like and you're just like shouting concrete to leather in unison with a bunch of strangers like that's a pretty fucking cool feeling yeah well especially because from that this kind of like frantic energy of the verse into this almost like halftime this it's almost like a halftime feel but in three yeah. four and it's just very simple and you can scream along at the top of your lungs to this and you're like yes and then also just yeah. concrete to leather besides just to me sounding cool but like that reinforces this kind of at least to me almost like the boots on the ground um or even you know your if you refer to your skin as leather like putting oh, your yeah. face to the concrete right curb stomping um, or well then yeah. also like the leather jacket right like you, yeah. just, you knock someone down and it's you know concrete to leather yeah i mean there's a number of number of interpretations here but i think they all are just kind of reinforcing this very hard aesthetic of of the song and so mm-hmm. somebody's either getting knocked out getting their face put in the con- you know, dri- driven in the concrete or just the the vision of the boots walking across concrete. Right, because we already had the boots are made for stomping yeah. image. So it, that, that ties in with it for kind of very nicely. Yeah, yeah. But I think, I think, I think it's, you know, while, you know, you know, maybe with your metaphors you want to be more specific, this, this chorus is interesting enough that it's open to, I think, enough interpretations. But with the, the, 
the vision that's been painted already, I think it'd be hard to interpret it in a way that doesn't make sense. Right. With the rest of the song. Yeah, and I think that by the time you get to the chorus, you're just like, all right, we're just talking about a shitty dude that, you know, needs to get his ass kicked, and we just, you know, we're all just fucking hyped up on adrenaline, and so we're just Mm -hmm. having fun with it. But I would argue that that is in tension with the theme of the song, which is that, you know, these kinds of toxic masculinity avatars are not good for society. Yeah, (laughs) no. Yet the song kind of reproduces and reinforces the very toxic masculinity that it's trying to call out, which is kind of an interesting dynamic, I guess. Yeah, exactly. I think it's a, it's, it's something uh, super interesting. And yeah, so you so you have two guys getting into a fight, one dude potentially getting completely stomped out, and now we move into the the second verse, <laughs> which again sees us with another weird cocaine actor <laughs> reference. Yes. So a heathen from Eaton on a bag of Michael Keaton. And I think that's the reference to clean and sober with Michael Keaton. Uh, who the, the actor, the, his character has a cocaine addiction in that as well. Right, which is right, which is really interesting because in the first verse, it's Charlie Sheen, who is a real guy with a cocaine addiction. And here it's Michael Keaton, who is... Uh, an actor who played a guy that had a cocaine addiction. Right, <laughs> right exactly. Like, so we're now getting like one more step removed from it. Yeah, so we're getting slightly weirder, slightly more... Uh, more avant-garde references. Yeah, we're getting more avant-garde. You're really stretching, stretching these metaphors. Yeah. So he thinks he's Also, swapped. we're back in the, like, the mid-80s, right? When, when yeah. did fucking Clean and Sober come out? Like, 88? Uh, yeah, end of, end of the 80s. I think 88, 89. I want to say, like, right around the same time as they live. I think that this dude probably watched... Maybe he worked at, like, Blockbuster Video for, like, a year. <laughs> and so he, like, watched all the movies that came out in 1988. And he's like, I'm just going to write a song about that shit. That shit slaps. <laughs> I mean, he's not wrong. This, all, all that shit did slap. <laughs> he thinks he's suave. You're not suave because you watched Get Carter. And I had to look this up because I was so very confused. Get Carter's a it's a Michael Caine movie. It's like a it's like a like a mob movie, right? Yeah, and so it turns out that British people are exactly like New York <laughs> Italians and that like they watch Sopranos. Yeah, like they watch Yeah, they watch Scarface or The Sopranos one time and they're like, "Yeah, you know, I'm mobbed up. What about it?" It's like, "You know, fuck you, dude." <laughs> like you just Right. Get Carter <laughs> is the British version of that. It totally is. <laughs> and I think they remade Get Carter with fucking uh Sylvester Stallone? Yeah, I think you're right. Because I was like, why would somebody think... Because originally I was like, why would they think they're suave because they watched Get Carter? Because I think you're right. It was like, that's the movie that originally came to mind was the Sylvester Stallone or whatever movie. And I was like, that seems... that This reference makes no fucking sense to me. But no. Yeah, if you're talking about the original Michael Caine Get Carter, I could see why you would... You would be suave, think you're suave, especially if you're British. Um, So, you know, glad. (laughs) I think we learned something very quickly about British people. A, they have perms, and two, they suffer from the same bullshit (laughs) that, like, Americans do. They're like, oh, I'm going to watch, I watch a gangster movie once, and I think I'm dope as fuck. Yep. 
You're a catalog, plastic Sinatra, a tryhard who should have tried harder. <laughs> so first of all, plastic Sinatra, are we referring to Nancy again, or is this now Frank Sinatra? <laughs> I think we're in here we're taught we are I mean, I guess it goes both ways since we mentioned Nancy Sinatra or we have a Nancy Sinatra line. I think this is this is Frank Sinatra though, right? You're, yeah, you're I would, a cat like the idea is that you're this like pristinely dressed kind of human being. Yeah, I think that's I think it's I think it's exactly what it is, is that you you're some catalogue of cliches of like, okay, you watch Get Carter you're into the this is like one of those things that like again uh, like italian americans and i guess maybe just guys from staten island they don't necessarily have to be italian but these guys from staten island that all got their like good fellas posters like the ones that were like smashing that shit up when uh al pacino said fuck trump or whatever right yeah like, yeah exactly they were they were burning their fucking uh godfather part two posters in the street like (laughs) angry like the cleveland fans when lebron left yeah it's like but it's like literally they all get their aesthetic from a catalog somewhere like there's somewhere out there it's like you know it's like uh, i feel like there's like how to be a douchebag american starter pack and then where to buy all these items (laughs) yeah yeah that's, I mean, that's totally, it's, it's the equivalent of like, oh, you fucking look like a J. Crew ad, or you look yeah. like a fucking Abercrombie model or something, right? Like, it's just a way of saying, like, you are boring, and nothing about you is interesting, and your entire life is consumed by your consumer choices. Yep, exactly. Um, <laughs> so, me, um, <laughs> it's gonna take me, it might take me a couple seconds to get through this yeah, no. line. <laughs> Me, oh, me, oh, my, Roy. <laughs> All right, so, second try. What else? What else? <laughs> what, what, what else? Talk to him. <laughs> Talk to him. You look like a walking thyroid. <laughs> this is like, th- this seriously sounds like a like a grind time or like a freestyle era battle rap, right? Where it's like, oh, you're, you know, you look like a thyroid. You look like a gland. You have sausage hands. Yeah, I, mean, I think it's. I think it's pretty good. Like you are not a man. You're a gland. You're one big neck with sausage hands. Like I could <laughs> see like that. Olivia Wilde's Bolivian child. <laughs> like it's just like that weird shit. Do you remember that shit from like 2007? <laughs> yeah, I could totally, totally see that. I I could see this these lines being a episode of Bad Bars on Don't Flop. Like. Yes, a hundred percent. Like it just pans back to like Marlowe and Shuffle T, and they're just like, "Wait, he looks like a walking thyroid." Like everybody's just looking around, like just hands up, confused. But the crowd's fucking eating it up. Uh, you're a top shop tyrant. Even your haircuts violent. Again, more bad bars. Like, yeah, it's... even your haircuts violent. <laughs> your clothing is too loud. Like it's that shit. Um, so is this the fashy haircut or is this the perm i can't determine what what violent haircut he's referring to yeah i don't know so again this is the question do both these guys have perms or is this the undercut that again very weirdly this is something that i don't understand when like all the alt-right you know proto-fash dudes started getting the hitler youth undercut so did like all of the punk dudes in the scene. Yep. I was just like, why does every punk guy have an alt right, you know, 
fashy haircut. <laughs> I mean, though, you know, punk rock does have a mild issue with, like, sexism and misogyny, so I guess I could see how there might be some crossover between some alt-right people, but not with... That doesn't explain why it's everybody right. seemed to even have among the, Even among people who would not otherwise exhibit those characteristics. Yeah, it's it just... it took over the fucking world i don't i don't really understand it yeah it's just yeah you know, it's it's not it's not necessarily a bad haircut i just uh um i just immediately because i i think maybe richard spencer was the first person i saw with that haircut and so therefore i just associated it with being a nazi <laughs> so. like before like fucking macklemore had that shit didn't i mean that was the first person that i associated it with was, oh, was Macklemore. No, you're right. Macklemore did have it first, but any And so I think that a lot of people that didn't understand the associations with with fascism were just like, "Oh, it's the fucking Macklemore haircut. That's cool." You know, he's cool. He talks about fucking his white privilege or whatever. Yeah. I guess I guess may, yeah, maybe just Richard Spencer got burned so much harder into my brain that in terms of the catalog of people with the the Hitler youth haircut that comes up like Macklemore is far much further down on the list. Right. Well, it's like no one thinks of the, of the Hitler mustache as the Charlie Chaplin mustache, even right. though he was rocking that shit way before Hitler. Yeah, exactly. Oh God. My dad used to, so my dad was in the military for 20 years and he to this day still abides by like u.s army code of of dress or of grooming and all that shit so like it, when he grows a mustache and i think like one of the rules in the army is that your mustache cannot extend beyond the corners of your mouth and okay so my understanding is that occasionally you'll have like uh some uh sergeants that'll be a real hard ass about your grooming standards and give you be a real dick about it and so one of the easiest ways to make sure it's not past the corners of your mouth is to, like, shave it basically into a Hitler stash. <laughs> and so, like, yeah, that makes sense. But like, or like, like a slightly, slightly bigger Hitler stash. Yeah, so slightly bigger Hitler stash. But here's the deal is my dad has a kind of wide nose and narrow mouth. And so when he, <laughs> when he like, shaves it just within the corners of his mouth, like, it ends up just being a Hitler stash. I'm like, Dad, Dad. It's not what you want. Not what you want. Like, please, you, you, you can see this, right? Like, maybe maybe this is, like, a sign <laughs> his eyesight was going bad. I don't know. It was just, like, I would just always, like, once once or twice a year, I'd be like, oh, no. Oh, no. I, okay. Can Mom take me to school today? <laughs> yeah. Did you say that he was a top shop tyrant and that even his haircut is violent? Uh, I never accused my dad of being... I did accuse my dad of being a tyrant when I was in high school or maybe middle school. Um, but since he was bald, he did not have a very violent haircut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or maybe his haircuts were, were way too violent and his hair just, you know, couldn't take it anymore. That's what I'm yeah, going to go with. <laughs> All right, let's go with that. All right, you look like you're from Love Island. He stood, and the room went silent. Okay, so he's been trash talking. He's, I think he's been trash talking a dude 
just sitting down. Yeah, in my in in my interpretation of this, he's just like sitting there at the bar, just fucking like riffing on this dude. Like it, like literally is a fucking you know jump off TV battle rap circa two thousand and five, and he's just like saying all this shit to this dude, and the dude is just getting angrier and angrier, and finally he stands up, and the room goes silent. And you know what else goes silent is the song at this yeah. point. Yeah. Yeah, so this Which, is you know, super cool. Again, a little too little little too cute for for my taste. <laughs> I think but. it's super cool. Um, but yeah, so it goes silent, and then you get the never fight a man with a perm. Yeah, just just <laughs> say he says it just so like as if it was like a on a sticky note in his office and he's like i need to remember this this is a thing that that i know in my soul and i sometimes forget this it's my mantra the thing that i need to remember about life that will make me successful is don't fight a man with a perm exactly. lest ye become a man with a perm lest ye become a man with a perm um, then we get back into the chorus. So I guess it's kind of interesting. I actually think that this song is about this dude getting his ass kicked repeatedly uh, by potentially two different people, or maybe he won one fight and that makes him seem a little tough or a little cocky and starts talking. Yeah, he gets, shit he gets a little the, gets gets big headed and then decides to fight this guy again or fight a different guy. He he fights the dude. He fights uh, Michael Keaton the second time around, or the dude. <laughs> yeah, the, the heathen. Charlie from Sheen the first time. Yeah, the heathen. So are these two different people? Do you think? Do you think that the first verse person is a different person than the second verse person? Because to me, it's the same person. Just in my head, it's like one shitty guy that this guy keeps fighting over and over again. No, I think they're two different people. Um, I think they're two different people. Uh, I don't know. I think I don't know why, but uh, uh, because I so I think Dulcet is a place. In in no um, Dulcet just means like you know, uh, you know like f- like uh, nice. Oh, is that okay? Like dulcet tones, you know, like yeah, pleasant. yeah, yeah. You're right. Soothing. You're right. I don't know why that I I think that I think to me there's. Se- I thought they were separate people, um, and that this the second guy is from Eton, and the other guy I don't know. I thought Dulcet was a place oh, okay. in the UK. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like it would be right, like it's a little yeah. ta- like a little village. He's a Dulcet man from a Dulcet town. Yeah, I don't and know. What... The name of the town is Dulcet. It's a Dulcet town named Dulcet. Yeah, yeah. Welcome to Dulcet, Dulcet. <laughs> like, here you'll find it's very dulcet in dulcet <laughs> you know, buffalo 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 yeah right? exactly <laughs> um yeah so i i interpret it i take it away as two separate guys the first guy was somebody that he fought and maybe beat the shit out of and then kept on with this like shitty behavior and then came up to the second guy from eaton and then got the shit stopped out of him the second time around <laughs> which is why he's now has this this note on his desk never fight a man with a perm <laughs> never fight a man with a perm it's just and good then, advice yeah exactly is it is it is a life advice to live by uh but then i think this is where this to me the song becomes really interesting is actually in the la- the outro, the last bit. Yeah, the, the refrain or whatever this is. Yeah. yeah. The, I shut my mouth, let's hug it out. I shut my mouth, let's hug it out. 
and then I shut my mouth, I shut my mouth. Yep. And I think this guy... And what's the what's the lesson that you take from this, Gabe? Well, so I guess the question becomes of, you know, this this toxic masculinity idea of, like, just always mouthing off, challenging people, being an asshole to people, and it's like, no, just shut up hug it out with people or like just be nicer or nice to people per se. Right. And I think that it's, there's something in here going on about sort of the cycles of masculinity and toxic yeah. masculinity. That It's like, it's, you know, violence begets violence. And so unless yes. you break that cycle of violence, you're not going to be able to, to move past it. You're just going to be stuck in that. Yes. You know, in that and rotation. It, and I think that's the, I mean, with the, the album title, joy is an act of resistance. I think it's this whole, it's easy, or at least it gets portrayed that when you're young, being angry and being an asshole to people, like, that's how you're supposed to act, how to prove your masculinity, where it's like, no, just shut up, stop being an asshole, like, yeah. you know, be mature for once in your life. Yeah, it's like, here's here's what I would analogize it to, is like, you know... You shouldn't punch someone in the face just because they lit off a fire extinguisher and ruined the show. But <laughs> if you if you see them later at a diner, you know you should try to make amends and hug it out and shut your mouth. Yeah. And I think that that's the lesson of the song, and it's a lesson that we took to heart whenever that show was, <laughs> you know, fifteen years ago or whatever. Yeah. You know, I, and I think one of the things about toxic masculinity and a lot of the stuff surrounded with it, it comes, it's such a brazenly immature view of how masculinity and what masculinity can be. And, and I can't think that whole just running your mouth, being an asshole, or like that you have to be mean to or demean women or put women in their place and all that stuff. It's like this incredibly myopic and just very immature view of how to be a man. Oh that, yeah, totally. That it's like, you know, you might get this stupid idea of like, this is how men act when you're a teenager, but it's like, you should, you know, once you grow up a little bit, it's like, Oh wait, no, I don't have to act that way. Being a man is like nobody defines what being a man really is. There is no archetypal platonic I ideal of what a man is. Right. And this is actually there's a lot of like a lot of especially punk music that kind of deals with this idea of like what it means to be a man in Western culture and yeah. what it you know and what what of that we need to sort of reject. And yeah. I think that this song does, like, a really good job of it. It kind of gets its, it kind of has its, you know, it, it has its cake and eats it, too, a little bit. Because it yeah. gets to make fun of the guy, right? It gets to be snarky and stuff. But at the end, it's like, but I'm also the asshole, right? Yeah. Like, there, there's no, this guy was an asshole, but I was the asshole as well. Yeah. And that's kind of nice. It is, it is kind of nice. And I think, you know, and... The interesting thing about I think what's kind of interesting with the song too is that it isn't just that him getting his ass kicked is what showed him that is that this dude who kicked his ass like had no grudge with him afterwards. <laughs> like he's like, "Hey, you know, yeah. you were just a raging asshole to me. You weren't stopping and I happened to come at you and now it's like, "Hey, 
you know, we're going to bury the hatchet. We're going to, we can be friends now. We can hug it out. Yep. So, Darren. So, so Gabe. (laughs) (laughs) Idols. Never fight a man with a perm. Does it slap? Yeah. 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 Why not? (laughs) This is one of those songs that, like, I honestly, I probably wouldn't. I'm probably not going to listen to it a whole lot more. But I think that if I ever saw this band live, I'd be like, fuck, that that slapped so hard. So it's like, you got to kind of, you know, you got to kind of give it up to them for that. It's yeah. it's not really my thing. I'm not really. I maybe I'm I'm a little older. I don't listen to as much hardcore music as I used to. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I still like it. It's still fine. Um, and it, like I said, if if you see this shit live, it's gonna be amazing. So yeah, I'll give it. I'll give it. You know, for nostalgia's sake, I'll give it the slap. <laughs> yeah, I definitely. I think the song slaps. I actually listened to the rest of the album, and the rest of the album is really cool and goes into a lot of the same themes that are within this song and struggle. Yeah, I actually think. Yeah, I think that a lot of the stuff in the album kind of expands on a lot of these points, and a lot of the stuff is really interesting. So, yeah. as in, like as a whole, I think the album is really, really well done. I yeah. just think that as you, if you just take this song, there's kind of a sense in which it's just this little fragment of something, and yeah. you kind of need to put it with the other things to really get a sense of what's going yeah. on. But you know, it's 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 a fun song. I yeah. like it. This this, this was actually this was a this was a listener request. So yes, it was. Why, shout out to whoever. Shout requested. out to Esteban Miguel who left a review and requested this song. Because um, I, I I will agree that I, I do think that there's other songs on this album that I would have rather gone for. But this is a listener request. We are loyal to our listeners. We are sincere post irony podcast, and we will absolutely take all requests and run with them. As long as it comes in the format of a five star review left on iTunes. Yeah, no. Don't be got... tweeting us at your. Don't tweet us your fucking songs, people. Don't don't do that yeah, shit. Don't don't tweet us. Don't slide Just... into our DMs. Five star <laughs> yeah, review. Not interested. With what song you want us to tackle, and we will do it. Although, if you engage us in an interesting conversation in our DMs, maybe we'll tackle it. But no promises. Five star reviews always get first in line, and then yep. so on. There's a hierarchy. Yeah, it's like a Disneyland fucking fast pass, you know. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll we'll hear your fucking request, you know, three years from now. If yeah, we're, and you know, and, but, and but unlike other capitalist enterprises, because clearly we are not one, there our hierarchy. It does not cost you any money to get first in line with a five star review. You can just log yep. on and do that. Have fun with it. All right. Well, so idols never fight a man with a perm. Slaps. time on does it slap boy with love by bts featuring halsey you can find does it slap on itunes spotify google play shit just about everywhere did you like what you just heard well feel free to share it with one other person and rate and review us on itunes both ways help new people find our podcast when they're looking for new things to listen to in your review you can even leave a couple of songs that we may review in future episodes Follow us on Twitter at Does It Slap Pod. Our theme music is provided by the patron saints of Slap, New Junk City. Find a link to their Bandcamp down in the episode description. Our cover art is done by Jeremy Hammond. Find him on Twitter at Jeremy Thunder. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Boom.